0: Who doesn't need a little self-care in the cold winter months? Glow with Red has got you covered. From scented soy candles, satin hair scrunchies, African black soap and raw shea butter, just to name a few of their amazing products. Follow them on Instagram at glowwithred underscore official and slide into their DMs to place your order. How about this? Use our discount code RANTMUCH10 and get 10% off your total order. This offer is valid from the 30th of June to the 14th of July. Glow with red this winter, your best friend in self-care. Start, get stop, stop, stop to the TikTok, get stop, stop, stop to the TikTok, get stop, stop to the TikTok, get stop, stop.
1: to the, Rant much. To the Rant, much. Get stop, stop. Rant much. Rant much. Rant much. Rant much. much
0: hello 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 everybody and welcome to yet another episode of rant much a podcast for black girls who talk too much i am tuli and i'm here with my wonderful co-host hey guys it's naya here how you doing how are you doing naya how's the past week of your life been catch us up a little bit
1: girl girl okay so for some of you who don't know i teach acting to young children typically like elementary middle schoolers i love it because it's not only is it something that i love doing and also i love giving back to little people and i love teaching um and my kids are always great like it doesn't matter what class i'm in or where i'm at but they're always just so energetic and enthusiastic to learn new things and play different games that i grew up at their age doing so that's always been great But also I'm doing it with the same organization that taught me the same game. So it just feels very full Mm. circle and it's really nice. And some of my coworkers are also some of the people I went through the program with. So it just feels great because I'm like, oh my gosh, I get my siblings back with me. We're all having fun again. Like, it's awesome. But today in particular, we had summer camp. We started summer camp this week. Y'all, we are intense. There is no cover okay they we are outside you cannot go inside the schools like they don't want us inside the schools because of COVID which I completely get but today it rained and my kids already have a lot of energy they were playing on the playscape and then as soon as we heard the lightning I was like oh man we gotta call the parents and apparently my program coordinator who I love dearly was like technically I don't have the authorization for that so I'm gonna have to call somebody else before I can actually start calling people's parents I'm like dude I'm seeing the rain about to come. Like I'm watching the clouds change colors. I'm seeing the thunder, hearing the lightning, like all of it. And so I'm just standing there like, this is just going to be chaos. It's just going to be chaos. And sure enough, my girl starts screaming out the wazoo. I'm teaching middle school uh, girls and it, it just, I got home and was just like, I'm exhausted. So, if y'all are like, how is Naya doing? Let me just send her a funny meme in her Instagram DMs or Twitter DMs. I would appreciate it because your girl is just tired. I'm Do just so most, tired. <laughs> Do the I most, I can't. I okay. can't.
0: <laughs> Lift us up. Okay, that's what we Please. need right now. Um, Please. I'm so, us, but How I'm, are you? <laughs> I'm good. I um, am battling anxiety so badly. Uh, my anxiety has just Ugh. been doing like, weird things lately and... It is so weird. Um, I really am I'm really having a hard time with my anxiety and so I'm constantly tired because my body's always fighting. So yeah, um fight or flight mode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh we are back in lockdown in South Africa.
1: Ugh. We have just uh. been
0: given another 14 days lockdown and we are now on level four alert. So for our American audience who doesn't understand that we have five alert levels and uh, the fifth level is complete lockdown where everything is closed and we're indoors completely. We are on level four or five, which will tell you we are doing pretty badly. Um, The numbers, COVID numbers are- That is very rough. Yeah, COVID numbers are doing ridiculous things. Um, Our healthcare system is crippled. We do not have the money because, you know, our COVID relief money just disappeared, you know? Um, It vanished.
1: Because... It just wished away, Yeah, it wished away.
0: It wished away. We didn't have money to order vaccines. We are not vaccinated. There was an article written by one of our healthcare professionals who just was predicting that at the rate that we are vaccinating citizens right now, we will have reached 40 waves of COVID before every citizen has been vaccinated. And we are on wave number three, just for perspective. We are on wave three. And they are predicting at 40 waves before we're all vaccinated. It's a mess. South Africa is a mess. Our officials, mess. our ministers, everything is a mess. But I am keeping my head above water. <laughs> I am working on You me. have to
1: at this point. You just have to.
0: <laughs> you got to focus on you. You know what I mean? I'm auditioning um, pretty vigorously and very um, hopefully. So I'm ready. I'm Let's really, go really really excited but i want to introduce our guest naya introduce
1: our guest okay so this guest is amazing she's amazing she's awesome she's cool i always saw her as like the quiet like cool big sister i just always was like i just want to be like rania when i grow like she's just so smooth she's so cool um so rania and i went to michigan together she's actually two classes above me um and so she is also an actor she's also a creator she also is a um scholar Look, man, when I tell you this girl just does it all, that is her. So I will let her introduce herself. Rania, how are you? Who are you? Tell the people what you do.
2: Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am, in fact, Rania. I'm not sure what I've been do what I what I would call myself at the moment. Um, it's been a weird fair, couple years. Fair. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been floating around i just moved to philly and it that's been super interesting it's been a long time coming i moved here Mm. at the beginning of covid um so i moved here february 25th of 2020 and then i had to leave three weeks Mm. later so i got a job and left like had to go back home so yeah it's been fits and starts for sure um and i actually haven't acted since i graduated so i haven't been in a show Ooh. since college. And I haven't tried to be in a show since college. But that's a long
1: story. <laughs> so uh, that, that is so that normal. Trust, story, man.
0: trust and believe. That is so normal. That is like every actor's story. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah.
2: And you know, the whole um, BFA thing was an experience an experience an experience, <laughs> an experience. and um, <laughs> after that point i was like hmm not sure if this is for me <laughs> so i'm still oh figuring that out um so at the moment i'm just working to pay my bills i'm working part-time and just enjoying myself here and getting to know the city
1: um but yeah that's what i've been up to awesome awesome great um so and um, well i'm curious why philly Ah, well,
2: originally, I'm from Florida. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Um, That is not a walkable place. And I never learned. I mean, (laughs) I learned how to drive, but I refused to get my driver's license. And I really resented the fact that you can't get anywhere without a car. And all the Mm -hmm. places that I've traveled that I've really loved have been walkable places. And there's like five Mm -hmm. walkable cities in the US, really, you know what I mean? Maybe 10. Fair. You know, that Fair. are legitimate. New York, yeah. You don't need a car. And then of those, mm-hmm. the number of them that are actually affordable. So that kind of whittled it down <laughs> well, for me. Well, goodbye New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I had lived in New York and I love New York. Um, but it's yeah. just like the amount of work I would have to do to sustain even just subsistence living here is like.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know. Those, because the job I mean, doesn't pay enough, like when you're right out of school, you know? It's not like I've been yeah. working in something for 10 years and I had a bunch of experience and I can, you know, work as a freelancer or something. So, yeah, I, I was yeah. trying to figure out where to live for a long time and I flitted between a lot of different places. I had a friend um, living in Mexico City and I visited her and I loved it there. But, yeah, I was trying to kind of figure out where I want to be at least for the next, I don't know, five years to sort of get myself started mm-hmm. and like build roots and um yeah philly's affordable and walkable there's a great art scene you got all four Yay. seasons it's close to new york there's music you know it's yeah. on the water it's not like really the perfect like... place
1: to be y'all sorry yeah sounded like ideal
2: yeah yeah and it's like the in terms of housing it's like very affordable for a u.s city so i'm really happy with it and it's to me, like a really underlooked city. Like a really yeah. underlooked city. I think a lot of people would thrive here. I'm not saying come, like it's it's you know, it keeps your prices <laughs> low, but don't take up all the jobs. Yeah, but. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> don't but, um, don't take up all the space, space now. It's actually yeah. so interesting <laughs> to hear you say how you, you know, have, being in a in a city that's walkable was was important for you when considering where to live and like, et cetera, et cetera. It's so funny. I think we make decisions so differently. Like here in South Africa, like it's wherever I get a job. (laughs) Wherever they're willing to employ me, (laughs) that is where I'm living. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is at this point. I mean, we don't have like a lot of major cities though. Mm. Our major cities Mm. are like probably Johannesburg where I live, Durban and Cape Town. And sometimes people don't get jobs in those big metropolitans and they get like jobs in like really crappy small towns. And they just move there because that's where they're paying me a salary (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that's that's all it is so that's really interesting that you kind of have um the space to you know move around figure out what works for you have different factors kind of influence what will make you stay that's pretty cool
1: yeah
2: and what makes you you know what makes you happy and the thing is You know, the the cities where you have to drive everywhere, it affects everything, Mm -hmm. you know. It affects everything. True. Like, I have seen so little of my hometown because you have to drive everywhere and Mm. you can't really Mm. explore, you know, or like get lost, you know, or just kind of wander because you have to plan every trip.
1: (laughs) True. Interesting. And that's that's funny funny because I'm a big uh i'm a big driver so like for me if i have to walk everywhere i don't mind it because i agree like there is the component that i love of like just getting lost somewhere but i'm the person who's like okay when i want to get somewhere i don't want to have to rely on anyone i need to get there when i need to get there (laughs) which is very not new yorker attitude at all let me tell you it drives me nuts to have to wait for the subway it's crazy yeah
0: yeah no I'm not a walker either I live in Johannesburg we do not walk here uh, you know it's, it's, we gotta go Joe Hustleberg, we gotta go t- I, would, I don't walk I'm not a walker every single one of my friends will tell you now I hate walking don't ever invite me anywhere if we're going to walk there I am the laziest person you will ever meet I am not walking like I will take an Uber like legitimately I will Uber and I will meet you there cause I'm not doing that I'm
1: dead <laughs> Not the five minute walker person who's like, I'm gonna just take an Uber. Oh my no, gosh, no, no. But let's <laughs> okay, get right.
0: Ahead. Let's get right into the episode. Let's jump in.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> let's oh, jump in. Dope. As you guys can see, we are talking. So we're continuing our identity crisis um series, right? So every single season, as we said, we're passing the mic. This is not about Tulay and I. We've already told you what our identity politics are, mm. um, but both Tully and I are born and raised and so were our parents born inside those same locations right so for the most yeah. part my parents upbringing isn't potentially that much different from my own like mm-hmm. there are some varieties not that ma- not like major things like my dad is from another city than my mom another state to be specific than my mom but they grew up with similar you know backgrounds so I could still relate to that to some extent well we have Renia here today because we are going to talk about what it is like to possibly have differences. I'm sure there are a lot of similarities, but I'm sure there are also some differences um, in having your parents' upbringing be somewhere else from the cultural background where you were raised then. Mm-hmm. So Renia, where are your parents from and where were you born and raised?
2: So my family's from the Caribbean. My dad is from, let's be to be politically correct, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, Some people just say St. Vincent, but he's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. He's from the island of St. Vincent, um, where he was born and raised. Um, And like sort of before him, there's a lot of parts of his side of the family that's from Grenada. um, And then like on his mom's side, um, they're like indigenous to the islands, like the Garifuna people. Oh, wow. Um, And then my mom's side is Guyanese. So my grandma's from Guyana. Um, which is in South okay. America, but it's considered the Caribbean. And then my mom was born in okay. Antigua, but raised in Barbados. Um, Ooh, that's a
0: lot going so, on. Yeah, that is a mixed.
2: <laughs> yeah, so my parents met in pharmacy school in Barbados, and then they emigrated okay. to the U.S., to New York first. Well, actually, my mom went to school in New York first, um, and then my dad was okay. kind of going back and forth, f- figuring out his visa situation. They had my brother in Queens. Mm-hmm. And then they moved to Florida where they had me. So I was born in Kissimmee okay. um, while my parents were still actually in pharmacy school. So I think my mom graduated in, from New York, but my dad had to basically redo a bunch of schooling. Um, and so he went to FAMU and graduated there when I was like seven or eight. No, I was like seven or two. Yeah. Yeah. So Not it's too. been
1: interesting. <laughs> mm. So what's the age difference between you and your brother?
2: Um, Three years. So my brother's born in 93, okay. I think.
1: Okay, yeah. got gotcha.
0: you. Okay, cool. That's that's awesome. that's a pretty cool age difference. I mean, I'm sure yeah. with your parents being, you know, from the, the the Caribbean and having them be immigrants into into America, I was about to say South Africa. I'm sure you had <laughs> some very stark differences, right, in in how your parents grew up and versus how you grew up then in America, being kind of first generation immigrant in America, child, you know, like, what does that look like for you? What are the differences between your upbringing (laughs) and your parents' upbringing? You know, like, I hear a lot of stories of immigrant children in in America. And, um, you know, I hear this concept a lot about the American dream and people moving to America for Mm. the American dream because they escape, like, you know dire straits in their countries. What does that like kind of look like in reality? Because we know it from like a movie perspective, and we know it from like a, you know, watching our favorite rappers in interviews. But like, what does it actually look like? Take True. us into yeah. what your household looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean that was one of the the really interesting things about kind of my parents' story is that that like that did happen for them. You know, like they yeah you know my parents got really lucky with scholarships um in the caribbean like they have a well-financed education system um you can get really great scholarships to go to school both in the caribbean and outside um so like if you can compete academically like you really can do a lot like you'll be supported um and you can get an education and get a degree so that's basically what happened with my parents and they at that time um in the 90s they still had those uh like professional visas so you know, they were able to emigrate okay. to the United States as like working professionals. Um, so it was like a need for pharmacists. Um, but to get to the original question, the differences between our upbringing—oh my god! Like, wow, <laughs> I, I, that's like—I I don't even—I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, there's just entirely different upbringings. I mean, my dad and my mom had very different upbringings from each other. Um, my dad okay. did not grow up with money. Um, He's from a very poor part of town um, in St. Vincent. And um, yeah, my mom, I guess I shouldn't tell all her business, but you know, she they, their family wasn't like wealthy, but they were a little bit more middle class, I guess at the time um, until okay. it was up to just my grandma to basically um, pay for all of her kids stuff. Anyway, it's a, it's a long, long, long story. Um, but basically- gotcha. I grew up with a lot more access um, than my parents in a lot of ways. I don't know. It It, it, it is quite weird in that, like, there's a lot of ways in which they view my upbringing in America as having, like, way more opportunity than they ever had. But at the same time, mm-hmm. this idea of, like, upward mobility here now, in America now, to me is much more difficult than it was at the time that even they moved to the US. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I did, my childhood definitely had a lot more privilege than my parents, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it was way more isolated. Like, it was just a very strange experience to be raised in a household that is not American. Um, yeah. you know, but you are an American. Like, there's, mm. it's a different culture, you know? Like, it's yeah. like... And both of my neither of my parents are American. So there for me, like so much black American cultural references I, I just never got, you know, because no, my parents no. never mm-hmm. you know, they were not engaged with a lot of stuff. They were engaged with like really, really, really huge pop cultural figures, obviously, like my mom loves Aretha yeah. Franklin and Whitney Houston and like all the pop okay. like, you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's a lot that I never that was just never taught to me that I never learned um, okay. about like black American culture and oh, it's it's a long story y'all, it's a long story, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting kind of lost here uh, but yeah, it was just i I grew up with a lot more access, but um, a lot more isolation, you know, I was basically in every environment like one of the only black people in my particular class, um, even though i okay. I went to schools with lots of black kids but It was usually just me. Um, And, you know, while they grew up in a place where, like, you're, you know, you're amongst kids who have your same upbringing, it was a very strange thing to either be the only black person in the class or for the black kids that were in my school, there would be this pretty intense, like, uh, we are not the same type. Oh, type wow. situation yeah just the way I spoke the classes I was in the way I was it was just clear like you are not <laughs> you're not from around <laughs> these parts
1: <laughs> gotcha. um, so gotcha. that was the
2: root of like a lot of like pain honestly because it's like I don't fit in in yeah. the Caribbean when I go to the Caribbean when I go to St. Vincent when I go to Barbados I don't fit in at all like
1: when I went as yeah. a kid I
2: barely understood anyone people barely understood me I was like you know uncomfortable culturally physically Mm -hmm. like
1: and sticking out like a sore sticking out like a sore
2: thumb you know and having almost no real knowledge like my parents tell me tons of stuff i grew up in a caribbean household i would say but i did not grow up in the caribbean um but at the same time like with like black americans whereas one would say african-american because i consider myself black american but there's a real distinct, like, African, what, I guess you would say African-American or black American culture that is distinct and has, like, yeah. history and roots. And it's not just this kind of yeah. generic yeah. thing. And when you don't get yeah. the knowledge, that's when you know
0: it's its own thing. Like, you're like, oh, wait, I yeah. don't know what this is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. I actually saw this thing on TikTok just yesterday. Actually, um, one of the TikTok uh, the black creators on TikTok was speaking th- about this exact thing about the difference between being African American and being Black American, right? And that white people tend to use this like blanket statement because they are so afraid of the word black to black. say, "Oh no, she's black." She they mean. say, you know, African American, and then you talk to this guy, and this guy is fully German. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's just living in the yeah. states. Um, and has citizenship or was born there or whatever the case might be. So that's actually such an interesting conversation. Like, I, for one, my ignorance would tell me that if you are black in America, I would assume you're African-American. I would also assume that you understand or are part of or will grow or grew up in the black American, African-American culture, you know? And I would use the yeah. two as... interchangeably
1: interchangeably yeah
0: I would use the two like interchangeably because I wouldn't actually know what the difference is between the two but I mean I guess this is why we're here and having these
1: conversations (laughs) yeah I mean but I would say even as a even as a black American like it wasn't until maybe the end of college that I started like recognizing there is a very distinct difference like I'm not african-american I am very much so black like I do not know any of my lineage past America mm. right so like I don't know any I don't know my history past the slavery a- age yeah. Any time you know before that is kind of a blur and quite frankly I think my family doesn't even know <laughs> like yeah. we still have questions about pre even moving forward from slavery to now we have a we have a lot of discrepancies so it would be really hard to then go and try and trace that back um and I think I'm very I personally am very distinct about the fact that like I don't really want to know Because Mm. it just gets more complicated. Like, life just gets ten times more complicated when you learn things. I'm sorry. (laughs) As someone who loves knowledge, it's just a lot.
0: (laughs) Just for clarity's sake, could you guys explain to us then what the difference is between being African-American and being black American?
1: So, a black American is someone who, I mean, you're born and raised here, right? So, like, that is is what you know is America, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas my understanding of being an African-American, you are raised by your African parents or like they came here relatively. You might be second, third generation, but you still have an understanding of like what African country you come from. Mm -hmm. Like you understand that background. Mm
2: -hmm. Most
1: black Americans don't have an understanding. I have
2: a different understanding of the terms because my my understanding of the terms is
1: all all fucked up. Like, because
2: I was always (laughs) bothered by, because my, in my head, like there is a name there needs to be a name for like i guess it is just like black american but but when i but when i when people kind of use that term i I don't know like sometimes when i i i I associate the sort of uh mainstream like black american culture that is what in my head is termed african-american culture you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah. Then, I
1: think it's like them to be politically correct, even though that's not accurate, Yeah, type thing.
2: Yeah, and then I would consider myself a black American because I wasn't raised uh-huh. in, to me, African-American culture in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I'm a black interesting. American. I'm in, like an Afro-Caribbean ethnically, and I'm like a black yeah. American, and like I identify as a black American, Um, but I don't that's interesting. identify, like, I... Because I wasn't raised by black Americans, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't raised yeah. by African Americans, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. there's, like, a cultural yeah. tradition so, that so was never passed to me, you know?
1: Yeah. It's so very distinct, too. Like, it's, it's crazy.
0: You conceptualize African American as a culture. African American yeah. is the culture, and you okay. were not raised in that culture. Therefore, you don't identify as an African American.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I, and I'll I mean, take I, it. I, and I that's identify fantastic. as
2: black, and I identify, like, in solidarity with all black people here, you know what I mean? But I'm at, yeah. at the same time, yeah. like, I wish people were more aware of the fact that, like, it is its own thing. Like, it's not, like, black American encapsulates a lot of people who were not raised in what I would consider, I mean, African American, I don't like that term, but that's the best way I can yeah. use it, because the word I use for myself is black American but I mean by the culture, I mean African American culture, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, cause, mm-hmm.
2: Cause yeah, like I, there's a lot that I, I don't know. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, and my understanding of my place in America is as a black person, you know? Like I don't see, yeah. a, you know, yeah.
0: You have no delusions about that. We're not I having no that kind of conversation. They, they're
2: <laughs> not like, oh, she's, uh, she's actually Afro-Caribbean. Um, so
1: <laughs> she's like, I'm black.
0: Yeah. I'm, black. <laughs> I'm actually not black. Okay. I'm
1: Afro Caribbean.
0: Okay. Yeah. Not <laughs> black at all. I, I thought we were having one of those, but it's not one of those conversations. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> so I'm still really intrigued about like I'm curious, were there any cultural like differences like you were going to school and you were learning like this American cultural society but you also were going home I know a a lot of my friends have some of those experiences where they go home and they're like this is not what I'm being taught at home were there any moments like aha type moments for you like that oh so many like it's well you know for me like
2: especially in high school um, because I did uh, I was like in the international uh, baccalaureate program so there was a lot of like Indian American yeah, yeah. kids, um, who I yeah. really befriended because we had a lot of the same experiences, like a lot of the same experiences where like, the Got values you. that you're being raised in at home are so different from American mm-hmm. culture. I would say, I mean, one of the biggest things I realized as an adult is um, like labor and ideas about work and how much like time yeah. you should have off and how hard you should work and sure. should you even be working for other people? and. You know, yeah, worker solidarity, yeah. like that stuff, that was a huge cultural difference, I think, between um, the Caribbean and oh. America. where that That's ingrained. Yeah. Of course, you get an hour paid lunch and three weeks paid vacation. Like, what do you mean they don't pay you for lunch? Yeah. Like, like, shit like that, where it's just like things that my parents used to use as natural and normal that are
1: like kind of radical right. for America, you know? Yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's do you use think- things do you feel like it's so i have other friends who have said like i feel like my parents instilled in me that i have to work harder like americans yes, have like the stereotype of like laziness
0: that. yes like so is that a thing because in the beginning you spoke a lot about how your parents achieved a lot academically so i can also yeah. imagine in your household that there was the pressure to 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 achieve academically that's not um a concept that's too far-fetched from us as well like we also yeah. have a lot of foreign nationals who are from yeah. south africa from africa not necessarily from south africa and you know the context is pretty much the same like we're in south africa we're here to make money we're here to build a a, a, a successful future you better mm-hmm. achieve we're yeah. not here to play any games mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i mean
2: particularly my dad my dad is the one who grew okay. up poor, you know, like straight up yeah. poor, okay. you know? So yeah. for him, it was this idea of security, of like legacy, of like maintaining the family wealth that was being built, you know? Ooh, okay. um, <laughs> and basically, yeah, like, a, like building wealth for ourselves and for our family. So yeah, I, I was definitely, they definitely pushed me academically, but at the same time, Like, I didn't have um, helicopter parents in the way that a lot of my peers in IB had helicopter parents. Gotcha. They would never check my report cards. They would never check anything it was just the expectation that i was getting straight They're sure. like we don't need to check because obviously you are and if you are <laughs> what are we checking for? Right? Oh.
1: <laughs> yep yeah so it was kind of the guilt trip there was no way you weren't going to tell them because you'd be afraid that they would find yeah. out yeah. okay that's kind of smart and, i'll kind of take that um they put a lot
2: of resources <laughs> into my education like oh you know i was yeah. getting if i had problems like i they would pay for a tutor and they would you know, pay for SAT mm. counseling and this and that. And because gotcha. we had the money to do so. That was like another gotcha. you know, major part of my upbringing was, OK, so this is important context. In Florida, we okay. have what's called
1: magnet schools. So I don't know, yes. oh, you know you know what that is, right? So I know basic of magnet schools, but they're, for our South African audience, what about magnet schools? We don't school? know
0: what the hell that
2: is. Please explain. <laughs> <laughs> they're public schools that typically have a specialty program within them. And mm-hmm. for the most part, they're centered in quote-unquote, under-resourced neighborhoods, basically black neighborhoods. Yes.
1: Where, you know... It's just called for black people or Latino people or people of color. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Under-resourced.
1: Like, you know, red line neighborhoods, basically. And, um, you know, where
2: the schools are being funded by the property taxes. So, of course, if it's in Mm -hmm. a poor neighborhood, the school doesn't get any money. So the magnet programs are basically to have these... Programs that lure rich kids from other neighborhoods into the schools and therefore lure their parents money and financing and efforts Into the school. okay, so I went to magnet schools for both middle school and high school and what happens in most magnet schools is basically segregation because Mm -hmm. you have Like whatever program you're in for me That was the IB program that all the kids are from New Tampa. They're from North Tampa So it's white kids and it's Asian kids and like three black kids, Okay, me being one of the three black kids. And then you (laughs) are going to school and the locals to the actual area that you're going to school in are typically black and brown, usually black. So Mm -hmm. they're the quote unquote traditional students and you're the quote unquote magnet students there's different hallways, you have different start times, you have different lunch times.
1: <gasps> oh. And no ways. Yeah. So it's
0: like the poor kids and the rich kids basically.
2: Yeah. And they would call them traditional kids, the what? Traditional
1: kids. Oh. oh and Lord. so you so you are basically so legalizing my, segregation. So you see
2: how the dynamics like it's built to be <gasps> y- being one of the three black kids is fucking horrible basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, because the, the, the quote unquote, the kids that aren't in IB, right, the black kids that are actually from the neighborhood yeah. are looking at you like basically like yuppity fucking race traitor. <laughs> That's kind yep. of the, what you're getting. Sure. And then within the program, you're one of two or three black people. So you're alone, uh, you know, in a very, very uh. hostile environment. So it's hostility from yeah.
1: both ends. Because it's hella competitive.
2: Yeah, it's hella competitive. You're not racist. You're black. Sorry, I'm not sure if yep. we're allowed to um the kids are racist. You can say it, no, you, can you can say can whatever definitely. you want. The yeah, kids this is definitely
0: are, your space.
2: Yeah, like the you know, it's wealthy white kids who don't have any experience with black people. They're no, so and they got
1: their help is black. That's what they know. That is uh, all they know. And you're
2: in a school this where the sounds non, the quote unquote this,
1: non-advanced kids are all black. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. This sounds very Get Out to me. Like, this school sounds like that house or that that town where Get Out happened. Yeah. And you know what would happen,
2: of course, was me being in the IB hallways, everyone would think I was a traditional kid. So, like, the principals and security, and they would, of course, come up and ask you, why are you in the IB hallway if you're a traditional kid?
1: Oh, my word. Yep. (gasps)
0: Yep.
2: So that was. You ain't even like, on a college girl.
1: campus yet, and you already getting profiled. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. And so that was sort oh, of
2: frustrating words. in that, like, I felt like I was constantly being. You know, I knew that my, I had a ton of privileges, but at the same time, I felt like mm-hmm. there was not, like, a real empathy or understanding from black American kids who would then be kind of like, okay. why are you talking like a white girl? Like, why do you think you're better than mm. It's like. But you also don't know what it's like to be alone, like,
1: Mm, (laughs) to be by
2: yourself, the only one there, you know, like, there's no. You got your group
1: of people, but there's There's nobody here with me. me. It's like,
2: I Mm. promise you, nothing makes you realize you're black more than being the only black person. I promise you, I'm not confused.
1: Hexia does. (laughs) Hexia does. Let me tell you, it really does. Elementary to maybe sixth grade literally sixth grade because I went to a, a private school in the inner city and it was for the first time in my life I was a part of the majority but I always was one of three black girls and I was one of the good black girls there were three of us and at one point we all carpooled together yep that happened um, it was a time so i can definitely relate but i was the nice one i was the one who was quiet and you know and and was wasn't really black because you know you're not really black black, black you know yeah so it's kind black. of like exactly so by the time i got older I, I was used to being called the oreo i was used to being the complacent one i was used to not saying how i feel so Oh, yeah, when I found out, quote-unquote, how black I was, actually, when I tell, a girl, the identity crisis that I had to go through, specifically in college, Mm. who, baby? That is not the time to be going through an identity crisis. Renia can tell you, Michigan is not the time for you to be going through your identity crisis, but it happens. It's going to happen over and over. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so with all of that in mind as context, why why the arts like d- did you feel like your upbringing influenced that did you feel like your parents were like what the heck are you doing? We just invested yeah. all of this time and energy into a career path. And then you pick the art. Yeah. Really?
0: Like, mm-hmm. what was that like? You spend all your time being this academic and then you want to go, what act on a stage. What the hell is that? Literally. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they weren't thrilled. They weren't thrilled.
0: <laughs> my dad was distraught and my mom
2: wasn't oh. smart about it. And I was not smart about it. Okay. Um, okay. And um, they were both right, you know, like in a lot of ways. And, Mm -hmm. um what i say is what i will say especially about my father is that like there's there was like a respect and an admiration in in the way that he pushed me academically that like really bolstered my self-esteem just like as a little black girl like to have your dad constantly affirm you as like fucking brilliant and like dope as hell Mm. and like capable of achieving a lot even if they are pushing you like You know, it really does, it insulates you from kind of a lot of, like, the bullshit that you have to deal with as a black girl.
1: That's true. It doesn't necessarily insulate you, but
2: it it sealed me, you know? Because I realized, like, oh, I have other things going for me. So what? No one likes dark-skinned girls. That's what I was told as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I can beat you on an exam. Like, I know I'm going to do better than you.
1: Like Period. You know?
2: (laughs) And that's where I got my confidence, you know? But of course, you run into problems when you go into the arts and grades stop mattering and it's all about innate talent and like supposedly it's about hard work money. And it is about hard work in a lot of ways. But like college was a lot of like for me what I perceived as incredibly lazy, not particularly smart people doing really, really well just off the basis Mm. of like what I consider something you know that wasn't real which is sort of like talent this general idea of talent which was really like yeah. an emotional agility that it's I had it's very lacked, biased you know I'll because pass. i was a child of immigrants and a black girl and had to protect myself and You know, you're not really taught to, like, emote or express your feelings Mm. or express weakness. Mm. So then when it comes to, like, being in acting school and suddenly Mm. you're
0: expected to open up and be vulnerable and I just was incapable. Immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Almost immediately. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine how difficult that must be for
1: you. It was senior year, if I remember correctly. It was senior year where you had, like, the big role as the angel in Angels in America, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you also had um, insurrection. What was the other show, it's insurrection that was also really big. Yeah,
2: but they, they, you know, they weren't really thrilled about me being in the arts. I mean, my dad kind of thinks it's like a waste of my intellect because you're basically yes. joining like a lottery. Oh yeah, like, I got
0: that. I got you that. know, yeah. I got that too. Yeah. You're too smart to
2: you
1: be are head joining head a lottery. <laughs> yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and acting yeah. gets no. You know, it's not there's a tiny
1: fraction of actors that get any respect, and otherwise it's kind yeah. of
2: different. you
1: know? That's true, yeah. Um, it's actually amazing to me how many people are actors and you don't recognize that they're actors mm-hmm. until like years down the line and you'd be like, oh, they've been doing this for decades. For oh, years, exactly. Oh, that makes sense, we that makes see a total face. sense now.
0: We see a new face on the big screen or on our TVs and we're like, oh my word, that's a fresh face, oh my word, new talent. You go and you Google this person, this person has been doing this thing
1: been doing it I mean you you have to literally invest your time it's almost when they say like you got to pay it forward they ain't lying like it, it literally is that and if you are an intellectual yeah, that can be kind of draining. I can personally say it is very draining because yeah. you're used to reward. You're used to something, you know, something. Yeah, I work hard and,
0: and I get the role. I work hard, I get the part. I work hard mm-hmm. and I get the reward or whatever. And, yeah. and this this space, it's, it's, it's not that. Ain't that.
2: And the idea yeah. of them working so hard to get financial stability and like family wealth and yeah. me turning around and being like, Mmm. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do?
1: <laughs> not do that. Okay? Yes, we're not yeah. going to be stable at all.
2: What the literal fuck? You know, I'm You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go to school out of state. I'm going to get a bunch of debt, and I'm going to get a VFA. And then I'm going to graduate and, we're gonna make work. and work at a cafe. Like they're like what the actual
1: fuck? <laughs> literally. Cuz both of you, both of your parents literally have doctorates right as a pharmac- yeah, in my pharmacy yeah have have my mom has
2: a farm d they both are very successful pharmacists <laughs> you know
1: oh my gosh yeah. and i was like i'm like, I'm like not forming I for I did them and did it. <laughs> sorry <laughs> and then you did it but it's okay like i mean we live and we learn do you think that you might go another path i, I know currently you said like you haven't acted since school what yeah. is yeah and you said, you said he it were was a choice. In five years yeah, and it was a choice. What? Five to ten years from now, where do you see yourself? Was it a
2: choice, or was I artistically eh. just completely frozen? Like, totally <laughs> frozen. <laughs> like, college, a lot of terrible things happened at that in those years. Mm-hmm. And I graduated, and I was just so shot, like, in terms of my self-esteem, sort of my faith mm. in myself as an artist. Like, I just felt like it obliterated my confidence. Um, yeah, yeah. And- I just felt completely unprepared and incapable of competing professionally. Um, I just felt sure. like I was a horrible actor. Um, mm, yeah. And now I was I in debt, and four years later to come out and be in this place where like I couldn't, I didn't even feel like I could audition. Um, Cause yeah. that's how insecure I was. So I, it wasn't like, oh, I graduated and I was like, mm, nah, I had a manager. Mm. And I kind of ghosted them. Like I sort of self sabotaged. Yeah.
1: What? Yeah. Rania, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. you um, Yeah, it's really hard to actually find like a manager or agent. That's why I'm saying that, especially in yeah. Michigan. We don't we we talk about it a lot of times it's like it's okay if you don't get one, but we never talk about like what it feels like <laughs> when you don't get one. Mm-hmm. Or even when you do, like what what it feels like at all. I I think as great as our acting program is, quote unquote, depending on who you are, I, I'm right there with Reninia. Like it can literally break you. It yeah. can. It wasn't until my senior year that I had a few teachers that I was like, the only reason why I don't want to quit doing what I do is because of you. Exactly. Like you're the reason who who forced me to keep going. Exactly. Mm.
2: But to get into like what I want to do, there's yeah. so much I would like to do. Um I'm now figuring that out. Like um yes it's been a lot of fits and starts, but um I am interested in a variety of things. I'd like to produce, um, I'd maybe like okay. to direct. Um, I think I'd like to get into film perhaps behind the scenes, mm. not in front of the camera. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> if I were to act again it'd be in theater. I think if I if I'm gonna be acting, okay. like, that is the environment that I'd like to do it in. Um yeah. and I know I wanna be in the arts. Like I don't know exactly in what capacity. I'm also really yeah. into like vintage, uh, sort yeah. of antiques and like curating, um, like really cool vintage finds. So I've actually started over the past like week cause I've only been in Philly for a month, like, like a month today. So, okay. um, and I've only been like actually settled in terms of housing for like two weeks, but yeah, I'd love okay. to work for like a, there's a sweet, um, sort of like interior design, vintage curator. Um, she owns a pretty sweet shop that I would and like I would love awesome. to work for her as like a studio assistant mm-hmm. or a curatorial assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have my own like vintage shop because yeah, I've been vintage shopping forever, um, and I've got quite an eye. So I think that's something I'd be interested in. Yay! Um, photography, maybe making music. So I'm in the state yeah. of exploration at the moment. I'm getting unfrozen creatively, so
1: you know, I'm Well that's good. That's that's we're seeing the light in at the end of the tunnel though. I mean, obviously we're not done with the exploration. I'm sure ten years if we were to redo this interview, like it would probably be completely different. But it's it's nice that we're actually getting unstuck. Yeah. You know, we're starting to move somewhere. Yeah. Um Okay, so last question that I have for you all of that being said where are mom and dad now how how do you oh. think that's played into your decisions like how how is the family now everything that you've learned you've had that moment of isolation like do you feel like you found yourself yeah in the middle of the two you know like the venn diagram yeah. where there's like the two bubbles and they mm-hmm. meet yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: and and college really helped i say like i talk about college okay. as if it was like the total dark ages but it was a really important <laughs> time in terms of like like solidifying my identity. I, it really started to crystallize yeah. towards the end of high school, honestly, because at that point, like... Okay. I've been doing the magnet thing for so long. I've been through so much in terms of, like, my identity. Because I had to start dealing with that shit from first grade. So by the time oh, I was, Lord. like, 16, 17, like, I'd gone natural. I was, like, figuring out. I was coming into terms of my complexion. <laughs> like,
0: I was starting to really, like, yeah. come into my you own. You had a head start than yeah. all of us. We only we only went natural yeah. four years ago. <laughs> we're only trying to, <laughs> there like, you go. we learned what melanin meant three weeks ago. <laughs> You've been in this game. <laughs> Literally. <laughs>
1: she's pink y'all she pinked okay but it's like I
2: you know I was going it alone you know and so there's a there's a part of it that like yeah you do end up it's just trial by fire and you like start figuring this shit out you know but by but college was really a great time in terms of like I met a lot of black folks like black American African American folks Mm, that I like finally found like a great friend group and it was the first time I felt sort of like accepted as like Mm. fully me without having to apologize for the way I spoke or the way I dressed or my upbringing like I felt I was fully embraced um, by mm-hmm. black folks, <laughs> Black American folks and yeah it was it was a really really lovely time and I felt like it finally, it was no longer, like, a contradiction. I was like, I'm a black American, okay. and, like, I can yeah. connect with other black people. Like, that is my identity, you know? And it's yeah. a yeah. combination of things, but, like, I know what it is, you know?
0: Yeah. I just it's want to know, like, did awful. you did you feel like you found a... Did you ever find a community? Like, I think university is always a great space to find community. Yeah. Did you find other mm-hmm. black people like you who had immigrant parents who you know, completely understood your context, so No. Yeah, did you find people who were exactly like you or did you just find mm-hmm. you know community in other black Americans?
2: I found community in other black Americans, but I will say what I what I had in high school was a community of people who were not black Americans, but it was Indian Americans. It was like Indian girls mm-hmm. who okay. really understood okay. what I was going through, like in terms of being a first generation American, dealing with colorism, dealing with the fact that you yeah. you are not the standard here you know, yeah. and like what you look like is not the standard. And even where your family's from, you are not, maybe not the standard. Like,
0: yeah. and
2: um, yeah, like it's obviously very different. And I, you know, that kind of umbrella term, people of colors, a little, mm, but <laughs> there was a yeah. lot of like, there was a lot of parallels. And I felt like I really bonded with a lot of other Indian American kids particularly, um, but also like Chinese American kids. So I went to school with a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of Asian like Asian people. So that's where we really connected, like on that in mm-hmm. terms of being, you know, the first to be an American and having to fuse all these different mm-hmm. identities together. Um, so it's kind of like I haven't really found people who are, are in the same situation as me. Like I had mm-hmm. one good friend when I was in elementary school whose family was Jamaican. Um, but I felt she was a lot okay. more integrated, honestly, into like black American culture yeah. in a way that I wasn't.
1: But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome! Uh, awesome! That's great. That's wow, good. I'm like still processing everything yeah, that we talked about. I feel like I've just learned so much. Like, yeah. it, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for not only being on the show but also just sharing so much of your story. Yeah. I mean, like I said, me and Nia know each other, but th- I feel like I I know you on a deeper level now, and I like I yeah. appreciate it and learn it. Like I said, she's always like very like. I don't know, put together what I see here So, like, I never wanted to be like, oh, so, like, what's your story? Like, that's kind of <laughs> weird. So, just walk up to somebody and do um, type thing. But I just... I don't know. I just want to say thank you for always being, like, so calm and collected. Also, if there's ever a moment where you don't want to be, call your girl up. I got hey. you. <laughs> um, but I definitely need to come see you in Philly. This sounds awesome. I've, I've never even been. Oh, um, so oh you So that sounds visit. amazing. And
2: thanks for having me. You you gotta thanks for visit. listening. So it's been lovely. Yeah, of course.
1: Awesome. Great. So, guys. This is where we are going to wrap up the show. We hope you have had as much pleasure and enjoyment listening to Anita's story as we have. Um, If you have any questions that you want to also ask this lovely individual or have any more questions for us, as always, you can hit us up at our Instagram, on our Twitter rantmuch underscore podcast um, and let us know what you think. And as always, let us know if there's any particular topics that you want to cover that we haven't already or you want us to dive deeper into. Um, So with that, we will leave you with have an awesome week and we We'll yeah, talk to you, ranchers, later. To Bye. Bye.
0: Who doesn't need a little self-care in the cold winter months? Glow With Red has got you covered. From scented soy candles, satin hair scrunchies, African black soap, and raw shea butter, just to name a few of their amazing products. Follow them on Instagram at red underscore official and slide into their DMs to place your order. How about this? Use our discount code RANTMUCH10 and get 10% off your total order. This offer is valid from the 30th of June to the 14th of July. Glow with red this winter. Your best friend in self-care.